Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, the last two verses of this chapter is not the last verse we talked about, but one of the last verses we talked about on last, uh, last Sunday, in last Sunday's morning service. And let's start in verse 19. We're gonna focus on verse 22, but let's read verse 19 down through 22. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners. Aren't you glad you're no longer on the outside? The Bible says, how many of you uh, uh, before you got saved, how many of you are, were Jewish, came from a Jewish background? Anybody? Well, then you were all Gentiles. And the Bible says, Paul says in, in this epistle that at that time we were without hope. We were strangers from the covenants of God, without God and without hope in the world. That Church, that's what your condition was and mine too. Sometimes it's helpful to be to remind ourselves of where we came from. I was talking to Brother Bob the other day, and, and this not this week, but the week before, there was a scripture that, that just kept stirring up on the inside of me in Romans chapter six, and Paul said, uh, present yourself to God as those alive from the dead. And, and those words just got a hold of me, and I thought, Phew, I'm alive from the dead. I was dead. Would you imagine if we're just talking in the natural? Let's just say in the natural. Let's say you had died and you were dead a long time and God raised you up. And you could tell people, I was dead for three months. I was buried and God raised me up, busted the, the ground open and raised me out of the grave. You think you'd tell anybody about it? Well, you might not. They'd probably think you're crazy. <laughs> but if you, if you could find people that would believe you, I mean, you would talk about it. Straying way off my message here, but that's all right. My point is, things need to be real to us. We need to, we need to the things that have happened to us have happened to us and they're real. We've been, we were dead in trespasses and sins. Now, we weren't buried. No one had sprinkled dirt over us. But we were dead in trespasses and sins, dead to God, cut off from God, without God having no hope for the future, for eternity, no hope, and in this present life, without God, completely lost. God brought us back. He raised us from the dead. We are alive from the dead. You are a person who was dead and now you're alive. Well, let's go back to what I was talking about. Verse number 19. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and outsiders, aliens. You're no longer People on the outside of God's company, strangers from the covenants of promise. No longer, 
You're now fellow citizens with the saints. Oh, glory. We've been made fellow citizens. One thing, one thing that, that you don't really dwell on, but it's always kind of in the back of your mind when you go overseas. Particularly in third world nations where uh, law and order is always uh, perilous. <laughs> I mean, it, it's always perched very perilously and the government is corrupt and all of the, every policeman you see, you know he's corrupt. And he's out for a bribe and he's out to, to get what he can and you're in a country, you have no rights. If you're ever overseas, you're always, it's always kind of in the back of your mind. But when you get home, when you step off of that plane in Atlanta or in Orlando or wherever you fly into from overseas, when you get home, it's just something that un almost unconsciously, you know, I'm home and I belong here. And you might not think about it consciously, but there's a sense that, that you have rights now. Oh, glory. You are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, who having been built on the foundations of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. We talked about the chief cornerstone last week. Remember that? In whom the whole building, this is talking about the universal church. Like I said, in whom the whole building, the words the whole building, in the original Greek, it literally means every building. And I was going back through my book, I'm, I'm putting the finishing touches on, on ands and buts and things like that and commas, you know, in my book. And, and I came across a, a place where I said that in the book, but I didn't make note of the reference of where I got it. And I couldn't remember where I read that from. So I went back through my reference books and I found it was in, in Vincent's uh, Marvin Vincent's uh, Word Studies in the New Testament was written in 1886. And it's a very traditional, very well-respected, long-time respected uh, set of uh, Greek commentary. And he made the statement, but I, I found it because I knew it was one of several places like that, you know, and I, so I finally found it. It was the last set I looked at, but I found it. But he made the odd statement. I don't remember this. I don't remember reading this before. He said, literally, it's, it says, every building, then he made this odd statement. He said, but obviously it's talking about one building. And he said, so the authorized version, which is the whole building, he said that's really the best way it's, to say it because it's obviously talking about one building. Well, then if it's talking about one building, why didn't he say every building? The Greek says every building. I mean, every if you were in the parking lot, if you were parked out here in the parking lot and you, and you were the only person there, your, your car was the only car on the, on the grounds, I wouldn't walk up and say, uh, I want every car moved over here. They're about to, I'd say, would you move your car? I wouldn't come out and say, I want all the cars. There's only one car there. The Paul, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, I don't care what Marvin Vincent said, Paul said, every building, the authorized, uh, the American Standard Version, rather, said each several building, each several building being fitted together. Well, that would be, 
uh, we already saw from, from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, or chapter 3, rather, verses 9 through 16, that the, the church is, is, is God's building. We are God's temple. We're God's building. Here he says, in whom every building, each several building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. So that would be all the churches. All the churches together would be the universal church made up of all churches and all Christians all across the world. Isn't that right? The whole building or every several building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you, Ephesians, Hospringians, Impactions, in whom you also being built together. So that's talking about the local church. See, in verse 21, he's talking about the whole church, what God's doing. And then he said, Ephesians, in whom you also are being built together. So that's talking about the local church. In whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the spirit. Years ago, I think it was 1989, uh, I was in a, in a meeting, one of Brother Hagin's meetings, and he said that someone had asked him, Brother Hagin, what is God doing in the body of Christ today? What do you, what do you feel like God is doing? This is a question that preachers uh, like to ask one another. I don't know why, but preachers like to do it. They get together. What's God saying, brother? What's God doing? What, what's God saying to you? I always say, uh, this right here, basically, this is what he's saying. So somebody asked Brother Hagin, well, God, what, God, what is God doing in the church? Brother Hagin said, today, what God is doing is he's building strong local churches that are learning to flow with the Spirit. Well, isn't that what this is saying? in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit or by the Spirit. What God is doing is he's raising up and building strong local churches that are learning to flow with him, to cooperate with the Spirit so that the Spirit of God can do what he wants to in his temple. And this, and this fits perfectly with 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Turn over there. Real quick, verse number 16, 1 Corinthians 3, 16. Verse 16 says, do you not know that you are the temple of God? I hear pages, so I'll wait till the slow ones get there. <laughs> do you not know that you are the temple of God? And that the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, as I've pointed out, too often we just mix things up and we apply this any way we want to. And very often people apply this to the individual. But in the third chapter, we don't have time today, but if you've been here before, we went over this. If you look at the context, context here, he's not talking about the individual being the temple. He's talking about the church, the body of Christ being the temple of God. Now, if you turn over chapter 6, 
and look at verse number 19, he does talk about the body, the human, you know, the individual. He says, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God and you're not your own, for you were bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So here he is talking about the individual's body, physical body, being the temple of the Holy Ghost. And you know it because in the verses before it, he's talking about the sins of the flesh, particularly fornication. And so he's dealing with fleshly issues, individuals, behavior, bodies. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. But if you go back to chapter three, he's talking about the church being the temple of the Holy Spirit. And he's talking to a local church. So they understood that he was talking about them locally, that the church at Corinth, that local church there, was the temple of God and the spirit of God dwells in you, he said. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you? I like the way the amplified uh, version reads here. Pull that up real fast. says, do you not discern and understand that you, the whole church at Corinth, are God's temple, his sanctuary, and that God's spirit has his permanent dwelling in you. Now notice, to be at home in you. To be at home in you. Do you not discern and understand? Well, very few people do. Very few people discern and understand this. Not very many people understand it because it's not preached on very much. The church has to come to a greater understanding that when, we, that when God calls us together and we assemble together like this by his direction, this is not just a natural meeting. We, we are assembling together in his presence and corporately as a body, we form a temple of God. Every local church, that's why I said a temple of God. Every local church is the temple of God, a temple of God. The universal church is the one universal temple of God. You know, Jay, uh, uh, Stephen uh, in, in the book of Acts you know, whenever just before he was stoned, he was giving his, his uh, message. And he said that he talked about how God had, you know, he was rehearsing Israel's history and he got them up to the point, you know, that they were in the tabernacle and then in the temple. Then he said, but God does not dwell in temples made with hands. Now he did, but he doesn't any longer. Now he dwells in the temple of his church. Well, there's a universal temple, but every local church, and that's what this verse is talking about. Do you not discern and understand that you, the whole church at Corinth, I could say the whole church at Impact, are God's temple, his sanctuary, and that God's spirit has his permanent dwelling in you to be at home in you, collectively as a church. Like I said, it's something that that we're gonna, have to, we're gonna have to just keep looking at because too often out of habit, we come into church like we always have. We come in without giving any thought to what we're doing. 
It's just our Sunday morning routine. And too often, out of habit, we just come in, we don't think about the fact that we are now the temple of God. When we, when we assemble together with one another like this, we become the temple of God and his spirit is dwelling in us collectively. Now it says here to be at home in us. What does that mean to be at home in you? You know, last week I talked about the fact that I've built a, I've built a house. And it's the first house I've ever, you know, I didn't physically build it. I had a contractor build it. But we designed the house. You know, we found a floor plan, but then we tweaked it. We enlarged some rooms and, you know, kind of adjusted some things. We got it the way we wanted it. And we had a contractor build our house. And it's been a, a unique experience for us. Some of you have done this before, so it's old hat to you. But we never had. And, uh, and I, I really wasn't aware of, 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 uh, of this sensation or this, of this, you know, the peculiar realization that, that, that happened during this process. But we were there watching, you know, as they were building the house. The contractor and all the subcontractors, you know. And, and I, remember, I remember there would be things that didn't look right. I remember one time before they dried in the house, the rains came and, you know, the, the walls were up and the roof was on, but it wasn't dried in. And, and there was a, just this big storm and it blew rain and there was rain all in the middle of my house. And there were three particular areas in the concrete that were low and they were holding water. They were, there were these big puddles. And I was all, you know, I was a contractor. I said, the, the, the floor is not level in here, you know. And he said, this was just one of the many times he said this. Mr. Anderson, don't worry about it. We're going to fix this. He said, but and it happened to be all in areas that are going to have hard flooring, either, you know, a vinyl floor, a tile floor, something like that. He said, they'll come in here and they'll float this surface and they'll get it all left. Don't worry about it. We'll fix it. There were other things I saw. And I would get excited. And I'd say, ah, you know, this is all. He said, Mr. Anderson, I know. He said, this, it's going to be fine. We're going to work on this. Go with me, go with me over to First Peter where we were last week. First Peter chapter two. We're still on the same theme here. This is just another passage that tells us the same thing. In the mouth, the Bible says, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. So this is the third passage of scripture here in the New Testament where we have this same concept. In, verse, in chapter 2, verse number 4, coming to him as, as to a living stone. You know, you, you drop down to verse 6, he talks about the chief cornerstone. Well, we read that in Ephesians chapter 2, didn't we? Here in chapter uh, 1 Peter 2, 4, coming to him as to a living stone. It rejected indeed by, by men, but chosen by God and precious. But you also as living stones... See, Jesus is the one foundation stone. He's the, he is the one foundation, the chief cornerstone is the way it's called. But we are also stones. We are also components of this house. You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house. Now, in both this passage and in Ephesians, you have those words are being built because it's a process. God isn't finished. And I don't think God is at all anxious. 
I don't think God gets worried, upset, or anxious. But I know that sometimes it has to look to him like the floor is not level (laughs) in this house of God. That the walls aren't straight and things aren't lining up. It has to look that way. Because it looks that way to us. But thank God. The answer is, it's going to be okay, Brother Anderson. I'm going to make it right. God's going to make it right. He's going to make it right. He's going to line everything up. He's got, I'm telling you, it might not look right now, but it's going to look right before it's over. Before we get raptured out of here, everything's going to be right. Glory to God. He is building his house. That's good to know. And it's good to shout about. I like it. But we have something to do with it. Because we're not dumb, dead stones that are just waiting on the stone mason to chip off all the edges and hammer us in place. We are living stones. And we have something to do. Yes, he's building his house. And yes, he's going to make it right. But he's going to require you and I to yield to him in order for it to get right. And could that be why he's not been back yet? Could that be why he hasn't returned yet? Is we've been a little slow because we don't like to be straightened up. (laughs) What is God doing? He is building, building, building. And I'm telling you, I watch the process. And part of the process of building is correcting things that weren't done right. Is that true, builder? (laughs) Sometimes people put things in there that's not supposed to be there. Sometimes people aren't as careful as they should be. And somebody has to come back behind them and kick things into place. What is God doing today? He is building strong local churches that know how to flow with the Spirit. And we are living stones. We're we're, we're not dead stones. We're living stones and, and he tells us here, you know, some of the process, but I'm going to get ahead of myself if I go any further there. But the point is, he wants to make this house a house of his. Now, on the one hand, Paul said in, in, in 1 Corinthians 3, do you not discern and understand that you, the church at Corinth, you are God's house, God's temple, his spirit dwells in you. So that is a fact but then the other two present another side of that. They're, you know, like, like you've heard so many times, a, a mountain, you know, you go around a mountain, that, uh, there's different views, every, you know, everywhere you go, it's a different view, but the same mountain. Some of the other views, some of the other sides of that is yes, yes, the spirit of God dwells in us, but he's also building us as a place for his permanent dwelling so that he can be at home in us. I'm telling you, since I I moved into the house, it's an altogether different feel than it was when it was still under construction. 
I could walk around in my house then. But it wasn't finished. I was there all right. It was my house. I had to remind people sometimes. When they started getting some snarky attitudes, I said, you know, not only is every nail and board and piece of wire in here mine, I bought the dirt that this house is on, so straighten up. I'm the owner. <laughs> Isn't that right? Well, he is building his house and he's here all right, but it isn't finished. But now that our house is finished, we so enjoy our house because now we can be at home. What, what do you do when you're at home somewhere? You ever been to somebody's house, you know, and, you, uh, and you're a guest and, you know, they may be polite and they may say, make yourself at home, but you don't start stripping off clothes. Isn't that right? Oh, just, just be at home. Well, not that far. No, you're a visitor in somebody's house. You don't, you're not at home. But when you're at home, there's a, there's a, uh, there's a, a sense of ease and a sense of relaxation and a sense of belonging and a sense of freedom because it's your house and it's finished. All the cabinets are in place and the shower works and the toilets flush and the windows keep the bugs out and it's your, the air's working and the, everything is right and you're just enjoying home. God is wanting to get us to a place where he enjoys to the fullest inhabiting this house. That he completely has his way. Oh, hallelujah. And, and that's, that's the thing that church people haven't seen. And I'm just as human as anybody else. I have to, have to school myself in, the, in, the, in these things. But it's become way more real to me in recent years. This is something the Spirit of God has been dealing with me about at, at least 15 years. At least 15 years. Because I remember when I first began to get some insight on this line and the first time I ever preached it was in 1994. God is is endeavoring to get us to, when we come together, to come together with a consciousness that, that we are not just, we are on hallowed ground. We are on sacred ground. I'm not talking about the physical Location. I'm not talking about the building and the roof. I'm talking about this spiritual house. He said, you will, as living stones are built up a spiritual house. We, we, we need to understand more than we do that we are a spiritual house. We need to come in here with, with reverence. And, and I'm not talking about being uh, uh, suppressed. I'm not talking about biblical reverence isn't oppression and suppression. And coming into church where you can't talk and everything. That's oppression. But coming into the house of God with a sense that we are indwelt by the Spirit. And he has a plan. He has something that he wants to do when we come together. But you see, when we come in and we're not aware, we're not conscious. Like I said, it's a habit. We have these habits uh, where 
we just come to church and other things are on our mind. Most of us have minds. Most of us, most of us have minds. And those minds can be filled with a lot of things. That's the nature of minds. They get filled with things. And if we're not careful, we come in with all of those other things stirring on the inside. And our consciousness, our awareness is more on other things than it is what God's doing here. We come in the door that way. And, and we come into to the service that way. And the worship leader, he's doing his best to, to, to get people to kind of focus. And, and God wants us to, to, to come to a place as a congregation that every one of us come in with a hunger. A real hunger for God to move. Now, he goes on. I'll, I'll go ahead and get into it now. Look at, look at chapter 2, 1 Peter 2 again. You also, as living stones, listen, every one of you are a living stone. Every, listen, every board, every piece of sheetrock in my house is important. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want any of those to be missing. They all have a function. Well, all of us have a function. We are all living stones. As living stones, we are being, it's a process, we are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood. A holy priesthood. Well, it, it wasn't until about the third century A.D., that Christian ministers started being called priests. Like I said, it was about, history tells us, it was about the third century before that started really, maybe the end of the second century. But by the third century, Christian ministers, you know, pastors and, and so forth, were being called priests. No, 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 no. Ministers are, and pastors and other churches are not priests in any sense other than the fact that we are all priests. It wasn't until later that the church reacted to some of that during the, during the Reformation and, and the priesthood of the believer began to be reasserted again because that's the way they saw themselves in the first generation, the first century of the church. We were all priests. So there's not a professional clergyhood. There's not a professional priesthood. All Christians are priests. All of us are priests. And if you know what a priest does, if in the, the idea of priesthood comes from the old covenant. The priest came into the temple with duties to perform. They didn't come into the temple. Two priests didn't come into the temple and be engaged in things of the, of the life outside the temple. Those things were set aside because it was holy and sacred to be in the temple and to serve as a priest. Now, there were some priests who got into trouble in the Old Testament and God killed them. 
Because they took their priestly duties for granted and started behaving in ways they shouldn't have as priests. And God, God struck them down. I'm not suggesting he's going to do that today. Okay? What I'm saying is, as priests, when we come in, we are a holy priesthood. We are living stones in this church. But as, as these living stones, are, 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 that's what we are. And, and we're, we're not building the church. God is. We're not building the spiritual house. He is. But he's using us. And the way he uses us is by us taking our role in the holy priesthood. What did the priest in the Old Testament do? They offered up sacrifices. That's what the priesthood did. They ministered to God on behalf of the people. They offered up up sacrifices that God accepted because of of the shedding of blood of an animal. When the blood was shed and the priest offered the sacrifices, God accepted those sacrifices. Sometimes even fire came down from heaven and consumed the offering on the altar because they were offered in a a sacred manner. Well, here he tells us that as living stones, we are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices Acceptable, acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. That's, it's so easy, church, to come in and just go through the motions of a praise and worship service. It's easy to do. I know it is. It's easy to come in and just sing the songs and go through the motion. But that's not, that's not the service of priesthood. Holy, a holy priesthood is, is a priesthood that's aware of what, what they're doing and that we're, we're to offer up spiritual sacrifices. Well, what are those? That's, we all know what they are. Go back to just a few pages here to, to Hebrews chapter 13. Verse 15, therefore by him, Hebrews 13, 15, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise. See, that's, that's what this, that's the sacrifices we're supposed to be offering. We are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood. For what purpose? To offer up spiritual sacrifices. Here he tells us what they are. The sacrifices of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. And see, if we can, if we can get a, a, a enough people, if we as a church, as we as a body, can collectively come to a place, enough of us come to a place where when we come in, we're more conscious of our priesthood. We're more conscious of, of the holy calling that we have. That, that we're not just here like, like going to a, a, you know, some, some other kind of club meeting, you know, whatever, PTA or something. That, that we've come into God's sanctuary, that we have become 
his temple and that we are in the priesthood and we're here to offer up holy sacrifices acceptable to God. If we can get enough people with that kind of realization where it's, where it's really real, where, where it's real enough that it's, it's not two-thirds way through the service before we're reminded of it. Halfway through the preacher's message before we're, we're aware of it again. Come on now. That we're aware of this when we come in. That we're aware of it from the beginning. Oh, glory to God. God will fill this place. God will fill this place. See, it, it, it says, the amplified version of it, you know, it's, which is an amplification. It's not really in the text, but he just makes this point in this, in this amplification that he wants to have his dwelling in us to be at home in us. That's what it means to live somewhere and to take ownership of something is to be at home in it. Well, what does that mean? He wants to be at home in us. He wants to fill us with his spirit. See, the Holy Spirit indwells Impact Family Church. The, the Spirit of God indwells this local church just as much as he indwells uh, every other legitimate church as just as much as he indwells the whole body of Christ. Just like he indwells you as a Christian, he lives in you. The Spirit of God lives in you. You, every born-again Christian, even at churches, even in churches that don't believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, if they are born again, the Holy Spirit dwells in them. But we all know that there's a greater demonstration of the Spirit in the life of someone who is not only indwelt by the Spirit, but is filled with the Spirit, baptized with the Spirit, filled with the Spirit. There is a Spirit-filled life that is a more dynamic operation, a more dynamic presence, a more dynamic influence of the Spirit than was there before you got Spirit-filled. Isn't that right? Well, in the same way, a local church is indwelt by the Spirit, but a local church, just like an individual Christian can go from being indwelt by the Spirit to being filled with the Spirit, a local body collectively can go from being indwelt by the Spirit, which we are, to being, in, to being filled with the Spirit. Filled with the Spirit. See, that's what God wants to do. In the Old Testament, God would sometimes fill the temple with his glory. And I'm telling you, when he came in and filled the temple with his glory, things were different than they were before he filled it with his glory. I mean, there was something powerful that happened when he filled. God, God can do those same, same things today in his temple today. In fact, the purpose of the temple is the same. The purpose of the temple of God is, for, is, a, is to be a place where God fills with his glory. A place God fills with his glory is what I'm trying to say. That's the purpose of the temple. That's what it means to be at home in us. He wants to fill us to where he is completely at home, where he completely does what he wants to do in his house. Oh, glory to God. That's, that's where we're going. But you see, it, it, it takes, it's going to take uh, us being serious about it. 
and thinking about it on Monday and Tuesday. Because I've noticed this in my life and I've noticed it in, I, can't, I don't know about your lives because I don't live with you. But I've noticed it in my life and I've noticed it in the life of the church. If I'm not offering up the sacrifice of praise continually all week long, I'm not prepared to do it on Sunday morning. I'm just not. I won't be there. It just won't be fresh. It won't be real. It's something that I have to create on purpose all during the week. I have to continue to be thanking God. Just thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Stirring up those sacrifices of praise, offering those sacrifices. When I do that during the week, when Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday, Wednesday, when we gather together, there is a, an awareness that I'm not by myself now. I'm in the company of a bunch of believers who have been doing the same thing and we've come together and we're beginning to worship the Lord and something happens, God can fill us. Yes. Yeah. There's, a, there's an anointing that we call the corporate anointing. There's the individual anointing that's upon you and me as a Christian because we have the Spirit in us and we've been baptized with the Holy Spirit and we're anointed. But there's a corporate anointing upon us when we come together with that right understanding, when we see it, when it's real, when we're pressing into it, when we have a desire for it. We come in, I'm telling you, God will so fill this place. Oh, glory to God. He will so fill this place with his glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Mm, praise God. It, takes, it just takes some intentional readjustments. It takes some intentional, purposeful uh, planning. You know, anything that's important in your, to you in your life, if it's not a habit, if it's important, you'll make it a habit. Isn't that right? If it's important to you, you will, you will, if, if, See, I was, I was raised in the 1950s and 60s and we weren't taught to floss our teeth. We were taught to brush our teeth before you go to bed and that was it. Well, as I got older and I realized my teeth weren't as healthy as they should be, I, I, I realized it takes more than brushing your teeth. We weren't taught this when I was a kid. I, I never heard of flossing. But I learned that if, if, my, if my teeth and my gums are going to be healthy, I've got to do more than brush my teeth. I've got to floss my teeth. But how many of you can relate to this, you older people? That just didn't come easily. I mean, I had to not tie floss around my finger necessarily, but I had to, I had to on purpose make some decisions that I, I'm going to remember to do this. I mean, if I have to leave the, the, the little floss container on my pillow I didn't but I'm just saying you do whatever you have to do isn't that right what I'm saying is anything that's important if it's not a habit if it's important to you you just do what you have to do to get that habit and that's what God wants us to do uh, uh, as individual members of this church is discipline ourselves start you know doing whatever we have to do to get into the habit of coming in here ready 
I started this series, the, the prelude to this series, uh, several weeks ago, and I talked about the fact that God inhabits the praises of his people. But he doesn't, I think all of you can understand that he doesn't inhabit the half-hearted, going through the motion praises, singing a song and you're thinking about something else <laughs> at school or at work or in your yard or something that's not the inhabit, that's not the praises God inhabits. He inhabits the heartfelt prayer, praise where you're, where you're worshiping him from your heart. That's, those are the praises he inhabits. Praise God. Can I, can I just, I'm going to close real quick. I'm just going to drop this little thing on you just to let it simmer. <laughs> praise isn't the only sacrifice we offer to God. We offer our bodies as living sacrifices. Holy. Holy. You can come in here and worship God all you want to, but you're living like a dog during the week. It's not acceptable. And I'm going to just leave it with that. It's not the last time I'll talk about it, though. It's just the last time today. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Let's stand. Glory to God. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.